You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. My wife loves that song. I'm not sure why you picked it, but I'm glad you did. I see her down there beaming whenever we're listening to that. That is great. Thank you all for welcoming us here. We truly feel very welcome. Lots of smiles, lots of handshakes, lots of glad you guys are here with us today. So thank you all for having us to be here. Uh, thank you, Pastor. I'm sure that he's going to be interested in seeing this at some point. So we got to behave a little bit. So thank you all for having us here. Um, to, today, we're going to talk about something that's going to be helpful to everybody, I think. It's going to be a, a good time. It's going to be a little somber, but it should be very, very applicable to everybody. So let's all take our Bibles and go to the book of Titus, chapter number two. Now, Titus is in Older New Testament. Help me out here. New Testament, very good. It is right, uh, it's one of the pastoral books. So if you look at 1st and 2nd Timothy and then Titus, that's where we're at today. Titus chapter number 2. Before we get into the reading, I, I want to I show you something from a, uh, from a pastor's point of view. Um, when we're sitting up on the platform, our job is people, okay? A pastor's job is people. We work with people. Someone said, man, the ministry would be great if it wasn't for all the people, right? No, the ministry is people. And it's, a, it's an art. It's a science. We study it. We practice it. Just like a doctor practices their profession, a pastor also practices his profession in getting to know people. I, was, I was had the, uh, the privilege of going around and talking to a few different ones, asking, are you a member here? Are you a visitor here? Because I really don't know. And by the way, that's a disclaimer as well. If something really gets to you in the sermon, I didn't know. Okay, as I'm the guest person, I don't know what's going on in anyone's particular life. But it's really cool getting to, to know some people. Sitting up here over the last few minutes, I've been able to see a few different things. I've been able to see some people had a pretty good week. I can see it. It's all over your face. I can see that some people didn't. It's all over your face. I can see that some people are trying to make sure nobody else knows they really didn't have a great week. That's there too. Today we're going to talk about that struggle. Because the battle is real. It is out there every day. We wake up to it from the moment that we open our eyes. Some of us, before we open our eyes, the alarm clock goes off. I can find it. I don't need to open my eyes. I can find it to turn it off. The struggle's real. And whatever it is that we are struggling with as Christians, sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. And today we're going to talk about how to get a more permanent victory in our Christian life. So let's look at uh, Titus chapter number 2. Verse number 13. We'll read one verse, then we'll pray, and then we'll get into the lessons and some of the illustrations for today. Titus 2.13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The blessed hope. Life's not always going to be this way. Let's pray, and we'll get into it. Dear Lord, thank you for all that you've given to us today. Thank you for your word that guides us and kind of gives us a little bit of a glimpse into what you have in store for us. Please help us to take whatever it says and to apply it to our lives today. We love you and thank you for all this. Amen. So, the blessed hope. Me and my wife were talking on the way over here 
because um, I, I like talking to my wife's where I get most of my sermon illustrations and outlines and stuff like that from because my wife's really great at that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'll, I'll, if, if it's good, she wrote it. If it's bad, I wrote it, I guess is what she's saying. No, we, we, did, we were talking this morning on the way over here. Um, we like the idea of living forever. When I was 13, I thought I would live forever. And then I got my first cavity. I realized I will not live forever. Uh, I realized that mortality exists. I'm not going to live forever in this body. And even if I could live forever in this body, I don't think I really want to hang out here that long. Uh, life is, I mean, the society and the way world is going, it doesn't look that promising, you know? So I don't know if just even being alive forever here would be that great. But God has something for us really, truly incredible. Something beyond our imagination. Something that, that you, re, you get a very small glimpse of whenever you're studying the scriptures of what life is going to be after this life. You know, this, this life isn't what it's all about. This life is kind of like a dream that we're living through. And one day we're going to open our eyes and we're going to be in heaven. That's the eternal place. That's the place that really matters. Man, I can go through a little bit of suffering down here and it's okay because over there it's going to last forever. So I, I, I'm okay with not lasting forever here because there is a hope, the hope of our resurrection. One day we are coming back and better than ever. But I want to try to, to illustrate this to us today. So that we can get a good picture of what happens in the life of a person, of an unsaved person. And then in the life of someone that is going through the battle, the struggle that we're talking about today. And then in the life of somebody uh, who is past that struggle, that no longer has to have that struggle. So if I can get you to come up here, uh, man, I asked a, a guy to help me out here. And I, I looked for the, uh, the, the best looking, strongest young man I could find in the building. Did I, did I do it right? I think maybe. Okay, he says yeah. All right, so we're, we're good here. So what we're going to do, uh, I'm going uh, to set him up. I brought something. That's heavy. Whew, that's going to be fun today. It's going to be a good time. Okay, so if I can have you go over here, please. Uh, and then Elisha, why don't you come over here and stand with him, okay? I'm going to have you help us today here too. So I've got some things that really should, should be a lot of fun today, all right? Uh, I, I'm a carpenter guy. I like tools. I do the, that, that kind of thing. So if you can identify with that, you're really going to get some out of this. If you can't, you still should get some out of this because it should be pretty good. Now, you're going to put this on like a backpack, okay? There's that one. Here's this one. Okay, good, good. And the other ones, uh, let's see, we can, we can strap this in right here. This is kind of, kind of complicated, so we have to do it the right way. All right, here we go. Now, this is a roofing harness. It keeps you from falling off the roof. Uh, it's very important when you're doing roofing jobs because no one likes falling off the roof. It is not a very pleasant thing, and we're not going to buckle them in all the way, but we're going to uh, do a few things that are going to represent some things in our lives. Now, you have, uh, as people, we are what's called a trichotomy. We have three different parts to our being. Elisha, come on over here. Uh, we're going to represent this guy as the flesh, okay? You thought you were the good guy today. You're not the good guy today, all right? He is the, the flesh today. He's that old sinful nature that we all have. Who, who knows what I'm talking about? You've got that sinful nature. The man in the pulpit, they said it, uh, there's nothing good in me. That's who we're talking about. I hope I don't make an enemy today, but we're, we're going to help us illustrate. This guy is our spirit, okay? Now, who notices that there's an age difference here? Right? There's a, there's a very big age difference. Uh, I was 15 years old when I got saved, when I was born again. Most people are older physically than they are spiritually. 
You can figure that one out, okay? No one's ever the same age. No one's ever born saved. We have to grow a little bit, learn a little bit about life, become sinners by choice, not just by nature. We all sin. We all do that. And at some point, some people older, some people younger, we accept God's gift of salvation and we are born again. That's why this guy's younger than this guy. But the interesting part about this is that uh, both of these guys, they are laden with weights and things that are just difficult to, to deal with in life. So we're going to put some weights on him. How's that feel? Is that a little heavier? A little heavy? That's good? You're good there? All right. If you're, if you're good, I've got another one for you just to, just to see if you're really good about this here, okay? So our spirit gets weighted down. Somebody said uh, in Sunday school that Jesus groaned in the spirit. Uh, as we have trials and things that come in our life, this is after we get saved, we do get groaned, we, we, we get laded down with some things. But we'll talk about the spirit in just a minute here. I just had to get you all set up. The one I really want to get to is over here. So we have all kinds of, of fun, heavy weights that we're going to be putting on you today. So here's a nice chain. We're going to get you all set up here. Uh, whoa, whoa, oh, yeah, yeah, go and put this on. Here we go. So uh, maybe, maybe make it comfortable so it's not going to be killing you, okay? What happens as we live our lives is this. We start young, and then we, we have our little two-year-old temptations. You know what I mean? You're going to take something from the cookie jar. Three years old, you're going to look two ways before you take something from the cookie jar. In that stage, you're starting to do things that you ought not do. As you grow older, you pick up different things in life. You pick up different habits. Maybe you picked up a habit of, uh, of lying and not telling the truth in certain situations. So this comes on you. And man, because he told a lie, now that's part of him. That's part of who he is. That's part of what his human experience is. All right, so we, we, we told a lie before. You're not dead, but you did tell a lie, and it's, it's going to be with you for the rest of your life because now you are a liar, um, and because that's just, that's just part of life. And then we pick up other habits. Maybe you decided to smoke a cigarette. I hope you never do that because that's not good for you. It'll kill you soon. But we pick up different habits and different things in our life. Maybe we had a, a, an attitude with somebody. Maybe we had, uh, we, we, we learned this thing, and teenagers are really good with this one, but they get this attitude. So who has teenagers? You're raising teenagers, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. Even the best teenagers sometimes can get a little bit of an attitude. And we have this attitude problem sometimes that comes out on us, all right? It just, we get really bogged down with life, okay? That, that's really what it comes down to, a lot of different things. And then, if that's not bad enough, sometimes we get a little older, and we really mess ourselves up. We make decisions in life sometimes that you just cannot go back on. It's just there. When you're younger, the little things, they, they form your character. They form who you are. But as we get older, you know, I got saved when I was 15 years old. Most of my major sins happened after I got saved. It's kind of interesting that it works that way. But we, everything we do, we put this on your shoulder right there, all the way up there. Okay, this is a, is it heavy? It's, all right, good. It's doing its purpose. And this other one, you put this one up over here, and this one's heavy too. Man, this is, this is a picture of who we are as a person. I'm drawing a person for you, okay? So you hang on to this guy, okay? And then, uh, where's the other end of this guy? I think it's over here. Now, Elisha, you're going to have to hang on to the end of this rope right here. Okay, we're drawing a person. Hey, all right, I got the right ones. Okay, so this is going to represent 
uh, me as a whole person. I am a trichotomy. I have, uh, I have three parts to me. I'll explain the, what those are in just a second here. I have a body, which is right here. I have a spirit, spirit which is right here. I am a soul. Okay, this is who I am. This is my personality. All of us, let me put this on correctly and tie the knot too big, too small. All right, here we go. This is a person. This is who we are. This is an unsaved person right here. We're born, uh, we live our lives, we grow up a little bit, we get all these different things happening in our lives, and we cannot do anything good in our lives. We, we cannot please God. We cannot serve God. We cannot accomplish our purpose for which, which he put us on this earth to do. Nothing good happens in this combination here. Spiritually, we're sinners. Physically, we have a sin nature that's always drawn us here. And so even if I try, all right, you guys sit back over there a little bit. Don't fall off the platform, please, because that, that would not be good wearing all those chains. Okay? Even if I try to serve God and go where I want to go, I've got both these guys holding me back. And there is no possible way for me to please God and continue on my journey because both my sinful nature and my unsaved, unregenerate self, they do not allow me to please God. All right, you guys stay right there for a second. We're going to read some verses about this condition here. It says in Romans uh, 8, verses 5, you can accompany me there if you'd like to. I'll read a lot of stuff, so we're just going to go a little bit quickly here. Says this, uh, we are carnally minded. Romans 8, 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. I can't do anything spiritual because I am tied down by the flesh. I'm spiritually minded into the flesh. I am, I'm physically tied down into my flesh over here. I can't do it. Number two, I have enmity or I'm opposed and hostile against God. Do you know anyone like that? That is opposed and hostile towards God or anything godly. We have a world full of people like that that, that they hate the mention of even God's existence. It, it drives them nuts. They are hostile against God. Romans 8, 7, because the carnal mind, when I'm like this, is enmity against God. Next one is Romans 8, 8. So then they are in the flesh, when I'm not saved, cannot please God. No matter what I want to do, I cannot please God and go on this journey and do what he wants me to do if I'm like this. Because I am tied down. Hang on to it, guys. Hold on to it. Good. I'm tied down by these guys. No matter how much I want to serve God, no matter how much I want to live right, no matter how much I want to kick this habit or, or do something different in my life, no matter how much I want to, I cannot escape them. They're holding me back. Now, this is how, this is how it works. Uh, the next verse here, Romans 8, 6, for to be carnally minded is death. If I live my life like this, constantly kicking against these guys, trying to do something good, because we as humans were created after God's image. We want to do good, but these guys will pull us back every time, and we cannot do good. If I am unsaved, if I am a person that has not received God's forgiveness in my life, it's impossible for me to please God. I cannot do it. I cannot live up to my purpose in life for which he put me on this earth. I cannot do any of that. Now, here's something really cool that happens. At some point, we get saved. And this guy takes a trip 
on over there to what I call free man's land, to the, uh, to, to the new world, to the place where there's a kingdom that there, we don't have the same rules. So now he gets to be unladen. Oh, that's heavy. Woo. How, how does that feel? Better. Feel pretty good. It feels a lot better, okay? It's, he's unladen with these things. He doesn't have the same, the same issues anymore. Spiritually, he's clean. God forgives him. None of this stuff anymore matters to him. But guess what? He's still there. He's st and guess what? He's still bigger than him. If we had a tug of war here, our guys spread out a little bit here. Spread out, Elisha, go all over there, down there. I got two longer ropes, I guess. All right, so here we go. We're going to have a tug of war with Pastor Steve in the middle, okay? Here we go. Don't pull too hard because I don't want anyone to get hurt, especially me, all right? But if we pull, go ahead and pull. Give it a pull. Pull, man. Pull, pull. It, it's not going to work. He's going to win. All right, that's good, that's good. He's going to win every single time. Why? Because he's older. He's bigger. He's got more exercise. He's eating a lot more. A lot more, okay? Because he, he, I know how this works, okay? But this is the way, this is how a, a, a saved person is. Let me read you some verses. Come a little bit closer in, guys, so I can reach the, the pulpit, okay? Here we go. Salvation, the spirit drops the chains and moves over into the kingdom. Now, this is cool. you got to get these verses. There's so much in God's word. It's so rich. I, I hope you get the picture here, all right? Colossians, and I won't have you turn to all these places. I'll just read them for you. Colossians says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, I still physically live in this world. But my spirit has been translated or moved. The one other place in the Bible the word translated exists is Enoch, where he just got taken up, okay? But my spirit is translated into the kingdom of God. He lives in the kingdom. All right, the, the kingdom of God, we, we're praying that God's kingdom comes on this earth. It's already here. It is. The Bible says that he has translated us into his kingdom, when we are saved, the, the Bible says this. Jesus talking to his disciples, the kingdom of God is where? Is within you. When you are saved, you are part of that kingdom. You are a citizen of heaven and abiding in it. Let's keep on reading some verses. This is just good, okay? Uh, Colossians also says, And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his uh, flesh through death. We are reconciled to God. Even though I'm still attached to this sinful world, I'm reconciled to God. Another verse, 1 John 3 says, We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. My love for other Christians shows that I have already moved into the kingdom of God. It, it, it's just a, a litmus test for that. Next, uh, in Ephesians, says that, and hath raised us up together, past tense, hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The moment I got saved and was translated into the kingdom of his dear son, he made me to sit in heavenly places. I'm so saved, it's as if I'm already in heaven. Nothing can change that. Nothing that this guy makes me do, even though he's bigger and stronger and can pull me that direction, nothing that happens in my life can ever change the fact that I am going to heaven one day because I'm saved. Now, if you're not saved, if you've not been forgiven of your sins, you've got a big problem. 
Because no matter how much good you try to do, you're never going to get to heaven. It doesn't work. But once saved, always saved, always going to be going because I'm seated in heavenly places. Romans 8, 1 says, there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Once I'm saved, there's nothing that can condemn me. What you did yesterday cannot condemn you. What you'll do tomorrow still cannot condemn you because Jesus took the whole condemnation and was judged on Calvary. He was already judged for my sin. I'm not going to get judged a second time for my sin. He already did it. And because of that, there's no condemnation being in Christ. Next, Romans 8, 5 and 6. They that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. When I am saved, I have this spiritual mindset now. I also have a carnal mindset because I don't escape him just because I got saved. You know what I mean? That's the struggle, okay? But now I also have a spiritual mindset where I things never even used to occur to me in, in a good spiritual sense. When I was unsaved, I could do anything I wanted and not feel bad about it at all. I got feel bad that I got caught. I got felt bad about the consequences that happened. But the fact that I had done something wrong didn't bother me a bit. Okay. Once I got saved, though, things started bothering me, even if I didn't get caught, especially if I didn't get caught because I knew he knew. And it was a big deal to me. So this whole thing, it's a battle. It happens. All right. Let's keep on reading here. Uh, Romans 5, uh, 1 says, therefore, being justified by faith, that's that salvation. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Where we used to be enemies with God, now we have peace with God. We're not at war anymore. Romans 8, 21 says, The glorious liberty of the children of God. And for brethren, you've been called unto liberty. This guy over here lives in the kingdom of God. He is free. He is at liberty to do what he ought to do now. Now that journey that I want to take for Christ, man, let's go. Take us over there. Let's, let's, let's go that direction. And instead of having two guys anchoring me back, I have one guy pulling me forward. Man, this is good. This is a great thing. There is hope. But this, all right, pull me that way a little bit. Pull me back into the center. Pull me that way, Elijah. There's hope. I can go that way. I'm no longer permanently tied over here, unmovable and unable to please God. I have what we call in Spanish a pituto, okay? I've got somebody in the right place pulling me in the right direction. I'm able to go this way. But most Christians exist in this constant struggle of back and forth and back and forth. And I try to do good. Then my flesh takes over and I have a good day and then I have a bad day. And we are stuck right here for most of our lives. It's not until someone gets much older that they finally realize, oh, I can let go of him a little bit and start trying to do what God wants me to do. And oftentimes, most people that serve God, that's why you see in a, in a lot of churches, most of the color of the hair is gray. And it's not anything against older people. We need older people in our church. But why not younger people? And that's one of the things I love about this church is there are some young people here that want to serve God. Now, young is relative. I'm 39. Anything below that is young. Okay, we're, we're good to go. But we have this struggle to where a lot of times older people realize how to win it. But younger people, we, we still stuck right here. And we can't get past it. So there's that condition. This is what produces the dual nature of the Christian. Most of our lives are spent struggling between the battle of the flesh 
and the Spirit, wanting to please God, but having all these chains and vices and habits and all this stuff that we, that we put on ourselves. Teenagers, kids, if you're in here, listen to this really closely, okay? Everything you choose to do adds one more link to that chain. Every act of disobedience, everything you sneak through, everything you get by with, every, everything you do that you should not do adds to your weight of your chain and adds to the struggle that you're going to have for the rest of your life. So be careful how much you feed him. Be careful what new things you add to him because they will be with you for the rest of your life. All right, let's, let's read a few more verses here, guys. You're doing great. How's it going? Heavy? Man, this is a heavy message, I tell you what. All right. Uh, we, we, uh, let me read a few more verses here, then we'll see what we can do about uh, freeing him up, okay? The Spirit serves the law of God, while the flesh serves the law of sin. Romans 7 says, With the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. The, the Spirit and the flesh are locked in this constant battle over control of the individual. Whoever has control of me controls the whole body. This is one person right here. One person. But whoever, flesh or spirit, is able to maintain control, controls who I am. My attitudes, my actions, everything that, who I am, my my areas of responsibility is all controlled by whoever is pulling the hardest. And that's a big time thing. We'll get into that in just a second, okay? Um, We used to have these things, Elisha and, and my other son, Josiah, we bought them in Chile, we bought them some remote control cars. Because we thought we were going to be good parents, and every good parent buys their kids remote control. You know, that's, that's what you do, all right? But what we didn't know is they were uh, on the same frequency with the remote controllers. You remember this? Okay. So they're opening these things for Christmas, I think is what it was. And, man, they had it down here. One kid has it over here. One's, one's a, a blue one. One's a green one. They're just going to town. And then they cross paths. One got too close to the other one, and all of a sudden these cars just start acting really erratically for some reason. We could not figure out what was going on. It's because the cars were under dual control. They were not going anywhere productive because two people were in control. You see it? Your life will not be productive as a Christian if two people maintain control in your life. Will not happen. You'll spend your life spinning your tires, running in circles, just like those remote control cars, until something drastic happens, okay? Uh, The Christian life is all about control. The more my life is controlled by my spirit, the more my life will reflect where my spirit resides, heaven on earth. If I let this guy have control, and if he's able to, to pull control out of his clutches over here, evil bad guy, all right? If he's able to do it, my life and everything connected with my life will be a picture of heaven on earth. Your family could be that way. Your relationships with other people could be a picture of heaven on earth if he's in control. But if he's in control, you know what they look like? Man, they are living in a literal hell because he's in control. That's where he resides. That's where he's from. And the more that I follow him and let him control my life, the worse my relationships are going to be. Everything connected to me, my, all my relationships, my family going upwards, my parents, my family going downwards, my kids, everything will be related to how I live my life. So you get to choose. That's the cool thing. 
Living under the control of my direction of my spirit is called walking in the spirit. Living under the control of my direction of my flesh is called walking in the flesh. Galatians 5 talks all about that. The battle, and here we go. This is where the, 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 the application is going to get really good, all right? The battle permanently ends. Because this is the battle of the entire life. But the battle permanently ends when I am freed finally from my body. Oh, I need to sharpen my knife, apparently. Yeah, well, how are we going to do this here? Four, huh, five. Yeah, all right, we go. it's time to sharpen the knife. <laughs> the day that I die, I have permanent victory over my flesh. Now, no one likes talking about that. Nobody likes death. Okay? But that's why the Bible says that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. You know why? Because no matter how hard you pull, you got no strings on me, buddy. I'm free. Amen. I can completely live for God and do what he wants me to do forever. And just because this life is over doesn't mean my purpose is gone. No, we have forever to live with God, and it's going to be good. I can't get into all the stuff because we do not have time. But there's so much good stuff that God has for us in the next life that we'll be able to live uh, for him and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good, okay? So, let me get this string back over here so I can show some applications. Now, I'm not recommending that anybody go out and die today. Okay, that is not how to have victory over the flesh in our lives today. One day it's going to happen. But what we're going to do for the rest of our lives is we're going to pretend this. And the Bible uh, calls that word reckoning. I'm going to reckon myself dead unto sin. Let's look at a few uh, verses. What am I supposed to do? Knowing this, knowing that someday God has freedom from me. Do you want to put those chains down? Yeah, okay, put them down right there. Uh, on the floor, not in the chair, but put them on the floor, okay? Right there. One day, I'm going to be free from all of this stuff, all the vices, all of the, uh, all the addictions, all of the bad habits, all of everything that controls my life. Just drop everything, buddy. Get, just get it all done. And, and man, does that feel a little bit better? Yeah, it sure does. That harness has saved my life actually one time, and I'll tell you a story about that later if we have time. But that, that, it is really good when we get free from our sin. And the, the, the blessed hope that we read about earlier today, get this, go, go join him over there. Uh, take your rope because it's going to be important at some point. Okay, here we go. The blessed hope is that at some point, both my body and my spirit, my resurrected body, and my spirit will be pulling me in the same direction. Imagine living for God in a universe where you had no sin nature. In a place where you had no temptations. In a place where you could freely uh, use the spiritual gifts and the physical gifts that God's going to give you. The Bible says it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that we shall be like him for we shall see him like he is. The stuff that Jesus was able to do after his resurrection is the same kind of stuff that we're going to be able to do. Can't get into it. Too much stuff. Okay, too much about there. But I'll be able to serve God with no hindrances, 100%, all the way, permanent victory. So, to, to try to get myself in the middle of the struggle, to be able to do that, there's a few different things that I can do. Uh, number one, I need a uh, man in the burgundy shirt right there. Mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Can, can you help me for a second? Okay, come on up here. And Elisha, you go back and sit down. Take the end of that rope over there. Okay, you know what happened just now? Uh, I fed my spirit. 
a lot, okay? I, I put a lot of by I'm hoping I'm not offending you because you'll probably beat me up later on. <laughs> but I spend time, what I can do to help this struggle, I can spend time feeding my spirit. I can spend time reading my Bible. I can spend time in prayer. I can spend time with other people that know God uh, and try to, to develop. The Bible says I can exercise my spirit, stir up the gift that is in me, and my spirit can become a whole lot stronger. Just because I start younger spiritually than physically does not mean that I have to stay weaker spiritually than physically. I can grow. I can mature in my spirit. And even if this guy is over here pulling against me, no matter what, I can be stronger and I can have victory. So how do I live my life? I let my spirit grow. Starve my flesh and let my spirit grow. All right, guys, you go ahead and sit down. Uh, we'll, we'll take it from here with the illustration. Thank you guys for that so much. Um, so how do I live my life? I need to, on purpose, do things that feed my spirit. And on purpose, do things that mortify the deeds of the flesh. Um, some things that I can do that, that can make this process happen a lot quicker is fast. The Bible says that for when I am weak, then I am strong. Weak physically, sickness, fasting, on purpose weakness, on accident weakness, whatever weakness that there is, however it gets to you, God can use that weakness to make you strong spiritually. It works out because whenever we mortify the deeds of the flesh, we will automatically be stronger in our spirit. Some things we can do. Let's read some more verses. Ephesians 5.15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. I need to walk. My Christian walk, as I am tied between these two guys in the struggle that I have for the rest of my life, as I am tied to them, I need to walk diligently, circumspectly, diligently, accurately, exactly. I need to put my feet where they're supposed to be. Every action that I take as a Christian ought to be on purpose. What kind of music are you listening to? Oh, whatever's on. I don't know. That's not on purpose. What kind of shows are you watching? Oh, whatever the programming is on right now. That's not how you walk circumspectly. Choose what you're going to do and then do it. Don't let the circumstances of our sinful world around us determine what you're going to do as a Christian. No, sit back, plan your day, get yourself some CDs. Are those still in? Get yourself some, some USBs, some download. I don't even know anymore. But you get whatever way you can get good godly music and program it into your phone or whatever you're going to listen to. On purpose, listen to the right kind of music. Walk circumspectly. On purpose, maintain the right friendships. Who are you going to hang out with? Well, I don't know. Who's not busy? Who's, who's already doing nothing that we can have fun doing nothing with? That's not a good idea. Find people going the right direction and hang with them. Okay? Some teenagers, you get so depressed and so discouraged, and even young adults do the same thing, and even older adults do the same thing. I guess everyone does the same thing. You get, you get around the wrong people, and you're discouraged and depressed and despondent because you're around these people. Why are you hanging around them? Walk circumspectly. Choose your friends. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. Uh, if you want to be a great person, get around great people. Choose your friends. Walk circumspectly. Don't let life happen on accident. Choose it. Choose what kind of life you want to live and then live it. And you can have a great, victorious, wonderful Christian life, but it is not by accident. Walk circumspectly. What else can we do? We can reckon ourselves dead unto sin, 
but alive unto God. Romans 6, 11, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we do this? Reckon. Reckoning is all about the mind. All about how I think about things. I know that someday he's going to die. And I will be freed. I know this. The blessed hope. It's out there. I, I know it's going to happen. So what I'm going to do today, even though this old sinful flesh is still with me, I'm going to think about him as if he was dead. I'm not going to let him control me. I'm going to let, let, let me, that addiction that he's got, he's not going to have it forever. I'm going to reckon myself dead to that addiction. I'm going to reckon myself dead to that happening. But I, I can't do that. He's dead. He's a dead guy. I'm going to live through this guy over here because I'm thinking of him as dead. Anything that my flesh tries to get me to do, I'm going to reckon it. I'm going to think about it as dead. Three ways of doing this. Number one, mortify. Romans 8, 13. If ye through the Spirit do mortify the, the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Uh, morphine. This is really cool. This is cool. Okay. When I cut my fingers off, I was in the ambulance. And the ambulance person said, have you ever had morphine before? I said, nope. He said, then he said, have you ever done drugs before? I said, nope. He said, you're going to have a fun time with this then. So he gets this, this morphine shot. He said, here's what's going to happen. You're not going to, oh, the pain doesn't go away. The pain does not go away. It just makes you not care about it anymore. Who's ever had morphine before? You know what I'm talking about? It still hurts, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's what he told me, Okay. It still hurts. Life hurts sometimes. But if I'm mortifying the deeds of my flesh, it doesn't matter. Because this all ends someday. It's going to hurt. In the long game, it doesn't matter. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Deaden them, okay? Uh, uh, Colossians, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Two, I can crucify my flesh. Our old man is crucified with him. That henceforth we should not serve sin. I'm crucified with Christ. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections, the lust. The world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. I can literally take myself and in, in my mind crucify me. So that way he does not have any pull, any attraction, any power over me because he's nailed to the cross with Jesus. That's what Jesus died for so that we could put the old man on the cross so that we could serve God through the Spirit. Uh, next, how can I reckon myself as dead? I can weaken myself. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians said, uh, He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength, my strength, not, not this strength, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Perfect means complete. I have complete, total strength. Once I come to the end of my own strength. Incredible stuff. Most gladly, therefore, let this verse sink in. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, take pleasure in beatings, take pleasure in stripes. Take, and he lists all the different stuff he's gone through. For when I am weak... Then I am strong. Whatever you're struggling with, praise God for it. But it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But it gives you an incredible open door that those with complete health know nothing about. And you can serve God in a way that our greatest service for God is not done with our body. It's done with our spirit. 
the influence that you can have through intercessory prayer, through just talking to somebody, and the influence that you get so much powerful than this guy. Uh, one of my Bible college professors, he told me this, I'd rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach because so much more is done through a powerful spirit. God has something for you. If you are breathing, God has something for you to do. All right, let's finish it up. We've got to wrap it up here. Um, walk as if you, the resurrection has already happened. Uh, Romans 6, 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Someday, all this stuff, those addictions, those struggles, those things that I've carried my whole life, someday, I'm not going to have them. They're going to be laying on the floor somewhere, not bothering nobody. And I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to, I wish we had the time to show you the cool stuff that we're going to be able to do, okay? But I'm going to be there, serving God 100%. So God admonishes me, just walk that way anyway. Just pretend that you're already there. Walk as those that are alive from the dead. As if you've already been resurrected. Looking forward, that's what that, that hope means. An earnest expectation for something good. That's what the blessed hope is. I, I can live earnestly expecting the good that God has for me and emulating it in my life here. I don't have to live beat up and discouraged and destroyed by the devil or by my own sinful nature. I don't have to live that way. I can live victoriously if I walk the right way and reckon it the way I sought to. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for the, the, the Bible that teaches us these different things from, uh, from, from your mindset. Please help us, Lord, that we would be able to make decisions based on what we heard today. That some people here would, would put more importance on their spirit and feeding their spirit than their flesh. That some people here would realize that maybe they're not even saved, that they've never, ever been born again. And that some people here would reckon themselves dead to sin and start living through the power of your spirit. Let's all stand together with our heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. The invitation time is time for you to make business with God. And if God's spoken to your heart about something, come forward, use an altar right now. God says this in the message. This is something that's been on your heart. God dealt with you about it. Don't put it off right now. Come down and tell God about it. There is nothing that you can tell him that is going to surprise him. But he wants you to tell him. He wants to hear it from you. Maybe you'd say, Brother Reyes, I don't even know that I'm saved. I don't know if, if I died today, I'd go to heaven. If that's you, please see us today. Please talk to somebody here in the front about how to know for sure you're going to heaven. Don't leave today without having that taken care of. Maybe you're here today, you're saying, I have been going through defeat after defeat after defeat, and I don't ever see any hope in living victoriously as a Christian. There is hope. You just have to do what's necessary for it. And it's out there for you. All you've got to do is your part.
but you got to tell God about it. So as the Lord works on your heart, allow Him that privilege to change things in your life so that you can leave today a different person. Like the Bible says, a new creature ready to live victoriously serving God for the rest of this life. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc4me.org. May God bless you.